Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the companies they work for. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today we have got with us a major brand, one of the giants of social media, LinkedIn, which is, of course, the big platform for business people to converse and discuss and debate and share ideas. And from LinkedIn, we have Tunji Akintoken, who is Senior Director, Head of Enterprise Solutions UK and Ireland at LinkedIn. We are delighted to have you on the show. Tunji, how are you? Great, Ben, and uh, great to be here, and thank you for having me. Yes, it's uh, quite a sunny and rainy day here in London, as always, but uh, all good. I'm always happy when at this time of year when the sun shines at all. Uh, I know. Those, those, three day, those three days we had early in the week where we had blissful sunshine, I'm also in North London, uh, just gave, gave us a lift after a fortnight, I think it was, wasn't it, of grey skies. But uh, we, we will brighten our audience's day with some great insights, I think, from the world of LinkedIn. We're looking specifically, I think, at B2B, the B2B side, which is indeed, and the untapped creative opportunities within B2B. Probably worth saying that some of the fastest growing companies globally are in B2B products. And on LinkedIn, there is a huge untapped opportunity, one would think, that B2B marketers can jump on. I mean, before we get there, it's probably worth a little bit of a rewind. It's LinkedIn is a bit of a phenomenon, isn't it? You know, it has become a great platform. Um, it's for business people, for B2B brands. And I sketched in the show notes before I came on this afternoon, brackets industry standard. It really is the industry standard, isn't it, for business to business people talking to each other and discussing ideas. Absolutely. And I think, um, as you probably uh, quite rightly said, we're we're a global professional community and uh, we're just coming up to and uh, surpassing our one billion number of members on our platform. And and if you think about that, that represents probably over a third of the global working population. That gives us some very unique insights in terms of talent, in terms of marketing, brands, and also um, around learning and our skills first narrative that we're really focused on now as we look at how jobs are really changing. Um, if I bring it down into the UK specifically, we've got um, around 38 million members um, on the platform in the UK. And again, if you think about the UK population, represents pretty much everyone on, um, you know, of working um, capability that's uh, on our platform. And I think that's a, a phenomenal thing. 38 million people in the UK are on LinkedIn, which is pretty much everybody who is at professional age, working age, if you like. And one third of the global working population uh, is on LinkedIn as well, which is an extraordinary number. So the reach of this platform is absolutely extraordinary. It is. It's phenomenal. And uh, and we continue to grow. And I think, you know, if you think about it, Ben, every minute six people are hired on our platform. And we've got a reach um, that um, spans about 67 million companies uh, who have a a LinkedIn page, a company LinkedIn page. So, you know, we're still continuing to see, you know, momentum growing um, where we're seeing a lot of shared subscriptions going up is around our um, newsletters. We're seeing about 450 million newsletter subscriptions globally. That's up three times year over year. And uh, I think that gives, you know, brands and organizations a unique opportunity to reach out 
um, certainly B2B brands to be able to really make their um, their brands more significant in the marketplace and probably more importantly, get to the right audiences, because I think that's yeah. probably the most important thing for most marketeers on this uh, on this podcast that want to know. How do you get to the right targeted audience that wants your products or services quickly and efficiently and effectively? It's about connections, isn't it? But it's not about untargeted connection. You know, it's it's about trying to use it as a tool to, as you say, reach the right audiences, the right people to partner with in business uh, to buy, to buy to buy or sell from. Well, what are in that space? Then, in that regard, what are the key trends you're noticing with you know in the B two B sector? How brands are connecting and targeting each other using the platform. Well, I guess one of the big areas we're seeing, Ben, is around um, how B2B brands are investing in building creative campaigns with more emotional storytelling to humanise their brands. I think that's something that's very important. You know, over the past year, we've seen some engaging some very clever and more creative ways of uh, delivering their campaigns on our platform. Um, We've done some research recently, and I think we saw 64% of B2B CMOs say that brand building has been elevated in importance by the C-suite as companies look to win more share in the current climate. So as you know, it's a contracted market at 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 the moment. So it's really important that you've got memorable brands, ones that are telling really human stories. And I think that's what we're seeing as key trends. And and probably more importantly, they're much more creative. I think we're taking a leaf out of a lot of the what would be seen as more traditional B2C types of branding. And we're seeing that sort of translate into some very creative ways of B2B brands making themselves more relevant to clients. But the humanizing of the brands is a bit that's really important. And I think people want people to connect with those brands and um, we're seeing they're they're actually a lot more memorable as a result. So that's one of the, the key areas. That is really, really interesting, that point, because, you know, I think probably the natural inclination, the natural, perhaps the natural stereotype, is that B2C is about humanization. B2C is about sort of creating emotional connections. And B2B is about sort of hard-nosed business deals that, you know, two business parting together. What You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. What am I going to get out of it? What are you going to get out of it? But you're suggesting that's not true. Indeed, it's perhaps an outdated view and actually creating an emotional connection between businesses through brand building and storytelling is a strong way forward. It's a very strong point. And, um, you know, that's also interleaved with the fact that, you know, we're seeing more B2B brands using um, video, humour, and probably more importantly, they're using their executives to really build that authenticity around what they're conveying in terms of their messaging. And I think that's quite important because if you want brands that are relatable in the B2B space, it's becoming increasingly more important that not just the companies speaking about what they do, but they want to see the people behind that. And when executives talk about their organization or around their brand, we know through our own um, research and metrics that the engagement levels are considerably higher for that brand through those, um, you know, through those executives also talking and amplifying that. So I always say to marketers, it's important to have your brand promise or whatever it is that you're, you're wanting to convey to your organisation. But people believe more in it than when the CEO or the C-suite also engage in that messaging in that brand and get behind it and, and bring that to life. And that goes back to, again, to that humanising it and ensuring that there's a relatable person that's actually bought into that. And we're seeing more and more of that. How easy do you think it is for marketers to make that 
case to the C-suite. You know, as I say, my, my, the sort of stereotype that I, uh, you know, put put forward earlier is that B2C is, is about emotion, B2B is about hard business deals. That stereotype, I think, probably still has some legs in some quarters. Um, but we know from your data, from your experiences, when you can see works, that actually making that humanization actually works as a strong gambit in B2B as well. How easy do you think it is for marketers to make that case to the C-suite? And how do you make that case to the C-suite? I think it's becoming easier. And I think with most marketeers, one of the significant challenges they face is being able to really show that brand is delivering value, the return yeah. on investment that's expected. Uh, and what we have seen a shift over, um, certainly over the last year or so, and again, research has shown us that through our own research um, survey and CMOs, is that they're becoming much more conversant in talking in the language of the chief financial officer who are often will hold the purse strings to where spend is um, is delivered or, or given to. So what you're finding a lot of um, CMOs are becoming is much more financially savvy to be able to talk the language of a CFO, be able to convey messages of how that that values are being delivered and also the return on investment. So that's one area that we're seeing um, a real shift in being able to demonstrate that. And what we find is that in most organisations, if you can demonstrate value and a return on investment, then you're more likely then to get more investment to continue doing that. And I think the other area is around three R's, risk, reputation and revenue. And I think those three things are linked together. And, and what we see with marketing, it's able to mitigate risk. It is able to look at the reputation of an organisation around whatever their brand promises. But also importantly, then it does derive more revenue ultimately, because if you're protecting your reputation, you're protecting your risk, you become a more relatable brand that people buy into and trust, then that does convey into them organisations, them wanting to engage more with those other companies and that ultimately delivers more revenue because people tend to buy from people and they buy from brands that they trust. The first step really is to try to, you know, talk the language. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Talk the mm. language of the CFO. You know, don't talk less like a marketer would talk to another marketer, but talk more like a finance person would talk to another finance person and say, you know, what's the hard return on this? Why is this emotional brand building, this humanization going to give us a return on investment? How is it going to give us a return on investment? And what will, what will that ROI be? Talk in that sort of language, and that's half the battle to actually making the case for this stuff, which you know, which Dundee Atkin token tells us works. It does, absolutely. And I, I, I've always found that in any profession, and I'm, you know, I've, I've had a few in terms of uh, different um, verticals I've worked in and different types of organisation, and, and I've certainly been, uh, spent a good part of my career in technology. I think one of the reasons why I was probably successful is that, and I sold a lot of technology, was that because I was able to convey the benefits of that technology to either the CTO at the time, or it would be if it was to the CMO, you know, you're able to talk in their language around what they were looking for. And I think it's the same with marketeers. It's something that often, you know, people in other parts that are selling products and services have to do. But more and more now it's a skill set that marketeers have to have in being able to talk internally to their stakeholders 
you know, whether it is the uh, the CFO, which is one we're seeing the trends for, but even if it's other stakeholders in the C-suite, how do you ensure that they're seeing, especially around one of the narratives that we do see and we we talk about a lot within LinkedIn is around the sales and marketing alignment. And again, it's being able to see the marketing is delivering value to the sales organisation that translates to funnel, whether that's um you know, uh, top funnel activity around brand activity or whether it's lower funnel activity around lead or demand generation. And I think, again, when you see CMOs that are able to convey that to sales leaders, then that makes for a much more aligned business and more support and more investment going in because they can see the, you know, the, the value of that. We now have the ear of the guys who are paying for it, the CFO. We get our campaign. What do we need to do with that campaign? What are the great examples you have seen, Tunji, of creative B2B campaigns? I tell you what, Ben, over the last year, I've seen some great ones, and I'm going to probably highlight a couple. Um, and actually, I'm going to highlight two and indulge myself in that these are two that I've been personally involved in, which I think are very good examples. So the first one, um, which I, I think is a really great example, is from the professional services company, PwC. Yeah. And they launched an awareness campaign earlier this year to promote their global digital series, which is human led tech powered. And they decided to form a partnership with us to distribute that content. And the way in which this was done is through a series of um, different formats, which were very high end production. I think there were five or six videos in the series and they took a different element of tech and then and also how that applied in terms of how it benefited society i did one of the episodes which was around skills and how you know the skills narrative was changing we 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 use the skills first narrative here at linkedin because we do believe that skills are the most important thing that you need right now in your role not just for presently but also in the future so we covered around the fact that your job and your role is changing even if you're not changing um, jobs because we're seeing that change and especially as we see you know the advent of ai and machine learning mm. and lots of other tools so that was a really great example of how they conveyed a fairly complex set of narratives into a really very well-produced platform of different series to take them in bite-sized chunks and be able to deliver those on our platform um, to their users. Um, the second one which I do like, um, which is more recently, is one that we've done um, with the Department for Business and Trade. Oh yeah. yeah, and I'm quite proud of this one because it's the first ever documentation um, video series um, <laughs> on LinkedIn, and uh, probably a word that uh, a marketeer word there, but it is it's yeah. effectively really good quality TV content um, in a docu series, and it's called Big in America. It's a five part yeah. series which takes a number of small businesses, and it uses the uh, t- TV personality Alex Polizzi, who essentially looks at how the dbt can encourage smbs to export more so they kind of follow the story in this documentary way of these five businesses that go around the us as they try and then launch their brand and their and expand their business over in the us and uh, it documents the highs the lows the challenges but also the success from that and um that, that was launched on our platform. And in fact, we did the official launch here at our LinkedIn offices earlier this year with uh, Lord Offord, who's the export minister for the government. And, um, you know, it was a, 
you know, fantastic example of helping businesses, in this case, small to medium sized businesses, um, but also it's a platform that can be replicated. So, you know, you could do big in America today, could be big in Asia tomorrow. But I think the whole way it's done and delivered over our platform, because it reaches those SMBs that are on our platform looking at that, thinking, well, the government's supporting small businesses in the other countries and helping with export. How can we get involved with this? And that's exactly what the, the BT are looking to do. So there are two really good examples in different ways of how we're using content, but using it to reach specific targeted audiences in terms of decision makers and entrepreneurs who would really find this engaging and something they'd want to get involved in. Presumably through humour, making a connection with people who, by recognising the challenges of, you know, going and exporting your product or service to another territory. Absolutely. Um, and it's creating that connection. It's just think, well, at last the government's speaking to me. It understands the challenges I'm having, you know, getting my product out there, my service out there. It's illustrating that process through a bit of humour, but also showing that it's on the size of those businesses that are trying to, um, you know, spread the word of British business elsewhere. Yes, ironically, it's quite timely. We were sharing internally a, our customer, the DBT, actually did a really nice video for us to really show the value and the benefit they're getting from that. Fascinating insights. I mean, you can see why these things now you get a real picture of why these campaigns can work between businesses. These creative, emotional, humanized campaigns can work between businesses but nevertheless there must be differences in the way one should approach them as a marketer compared to when one is uh, you know marketing on the b2c side you know what are those key differences do you think yeah you're right there ben and there are some um some key differences with b2b the buying decisions are relatively heavy you know they're more group based whereas with a consumer it's very much more that one person can make that decision and also the sales cycles are a lot longer and actually more complex you know there's a huge difference between selling a cloud solution into an organization versus selling some hairspray or toothpaste and the reason for that is because if you're selling these complex solutions, they're much more disruptive. They've got much more of an impact on a company when you make a change, if you implement a new cloud-based solution rather than buying a point product in the consumer space. So the way you market that and the expectations on that return on investment over time is very different. And I think that's what I always see as being the the longer play that we have to have with B2B marketing um, as a whole. And also around, um, I'd say the preference we have to build with B2B brands, it's much more about memorability and um, that's over a longer term. We've done some great work with our think tank, the B2B Institute. We did this work with the Erringer Bass Institute and it's around what you call mental availability in the 95 rule. And this goes to the fact that, you know, 95% uh, of the time people are out of the market. They're only in market to purchase something 5% of the time. So you've got to ensure that the other 95% of the time they're out of market, that you are marketing your brand so that when they are in market, they remember and you're, they relate to your brand because they say, ah, oh, we're looking for this. This is an organization I've seen, uh, you know, quite often in this space, they've credentialized themselves. And, you know, that can be over a long period of time. And that 95-5 rule means that they may only be in the market 
every three years to buy yes. something or have something. So you've got to be having what I would call an always on campaign of marketing so that, you know, even if it's little but often, but it has to be often that you're building that brand over the longer term. So that's very different to more of a B2C brand, which tends to be much more shorter. You'll make a buying decision on a much shorter um, sales cycle. Um, yeah. And as a result, you'll see the return a lot quicker and it's very binary. That is mind-blowing insights, isn't it? Because actually, you know, what you're saying is you need to be at the bus stop when the bus arrives to catch it, but it's not going to be Absolutely. there permanently every, every second of every day. But that's a great insight when you're trying to make the case for brand building in a creative fashion when mm. we're talking to the CFO to use that 95% rule. So 95% of the time, customers aren't going shopping. Only 5% of the time are the customers, the business customers coming shopping. And when they do that shopping, we need to be in their minds. We need to be in their heads. They, they need to be conscious of us. So it's not that everything we're doing is to make an immediate sale. It's that when the time comes for someone to buy, we are one of the people they want to buy from. Yeah, and, and, and to add to that, and it's something that I'm sure many of the listeners may have seen, is that when you look at more B2B buying decisions, you know, there's some great research out there from some, uh, I think Gartner were the ones I saw more recently in the tech space, where I think when we talk about the number of buying groups, so when it's one organization or one person buying something, they spend around, I think it's roughly about 40% of the time online researching. Mm -hmm. So it's all the desktop research. They then spend about another 35 to 40% liaising with their peers. And those are peers either in their industry, but also people within their organization stakeholders, which is where you get to this sort of 6.8 to 7 people on average in terms of people they confer with within their group. And then by the time you get down to that, opportunity for you to actually um, position your brand or your product it's about eight percent left of the pie that's left at the end of the day where you get into pitch so before you even get anywhere near pitching to a customer you better have your brand really out there so that they see that and also more importantly for marketeers look at those cross buying groups that that client or that particular sector may look to for advice or counsel around what's being done. If you can imagine at an industry event, if you're looking to buy a cloud solution and it's in the CRM space, you know, they'll go to an industry event, they'll talk to other peers. And if that peer says, well, we're using this particular product, then that gets registered and then they'll go and do a bit more research and thought, oh, this looks credible. So even though they're out of market, it does yep. mean when they're in market, that's when the referenceability comes back and the relatable, memorable messaging that's been done on the brand activation becomes very relevant. And that's at that time that you can measure and monetize that. And that's the bit that CMOs have to be much more savvy with in terms of conveying that actually you've got this sale, but this sale was generated maybe 18 months ago through this yeah. campaign and we're able to measure and track how that's done. So that's why it's, it's really important. It's a creative mindset, but it's also a long-term mindset, a long-term mindset so. perhaps uh, you would need in, in the B2C space. Looking for more ways to learn and upskill? CIM members can register now for our upcoming member-exclusive webinars. More details available at cim.co.uk forward slash content. Talk a little bit. Let's expand it out a bit, Tunji, uh, mm. for the last you know, 10 minutes of the show, into the minds of CMOs. You work with them, you meet them, you see, you see a lot of them. What do you think are in the minds of the CMO community at the moment? What's exercising their minds? What's the, What are the sort of trends that they're getting to grips with? 
Well, I think at the moment, and uh, with the with the market and the headwinds that we are seeing in some verticals at the moment, certainly they're on the hook for delivering a lot of more value to customers. Yeah. You know, they've got a build demand for for products on that lower funnel activity we've mentioned before, you know, communicating value to stakeholders and ultimately helping build trust that underpins all of the above, really. So I think for us, what we're seeing is that through these massively dynamic times, they are having to be fluid. Um, they are having to be agile in terms of looking at how the market responds to not just the branding, but how their organisations are doing and what role that marketing can play in it. But probably more importantly, this role that's become more strategic and central to the business growth, um, more and more organisations are seeing the importance of marketing. And um, certainly from a B2B perspective, they also see the, um, the, the growth of their organizations is much more linked to marketing and brand activity than it ever has been before. So I think that importance of the CMO within the organization has been elevated. And as a result of that, they top of mind for them is to be able to deliver on that expectation um, around that. And as I said before, I think the investment in the language of finance is becoming more and more important, being able to talk fluidly and fluently to CFOs around the impact that uh, marketing has on the bottom line with the CFO is a skill that they are having to acquire and learn. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple of CFOs over the last few weeks, and and that is certainly resonates with them. They're saying, yes, I, you know, I'm, I'm having to really ensure that I understand the measurement parts, where we're seeing the return and being able to deliver that back in a much more financial language orientated way so that the CFO understands actually this is delivering value and growth, we need to invest more into this. So that's that's probably what's top of mind for most um, CMOs right now. As budgets become tighter, the, the need to talk the CFO's language becomes even more acute. It's, it is. And, and we know the reason why, and I'm sure your listeners know, because it's always one of those easier areas to cut when yep. there are reductions of budgets to be made, often we see the marketing budget is one where when you're not able to articulate that value well enough, it's felt or perceived that budget won't matter. It won't make a difference. It does. And when yep. companies then um, scratch their heads as to why their brand's not as recognized or they're, they're losing um, revenue or growth in different areas, they don't always attribute it easy back to the fact that maybe they've turned off a lot of their marketing activity. And I think that's where I think CMOs have become much more, um, I guess, savvy, but also more strategic in how they articulate the value that marketing brings. And talking of saving money, you touched on it earlier. We can't let an, an episode like this go by, particularly given that you come from the tech space, without talking about AI. You, is it a saving <laughs> money tool or something that uh, marketers should be fearful of? Certainly not fearful of. And, um, and we've done some, uh, again, some research where, you know, we know 73% of marketers globally feel confident about using the technology. So that's that's a really good sign. And I think they can see where it can help. And the reason why is because for a majority of them, where you need to deliver results, time is probably a precious assets to have and what AI does for for many of them it will support their work and giving them the focus that they need on what really truly matters which is around creativity building deeper relationships with customers and having the 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 mental availability and capacity to think about more creative ways to engage with their customers so we're certainly seeing that the majority of marketeers are embracing that 
And I think also the tools that um, are continuing to evolve is giving those marketeers the opportunity to build what I would say very creative campaigns that drive action, much better connections with customers. And really that they unlocks that longer term growth that many of them are looking for. Interesting. It's a good, good way of saving money and a useful tool and something that they're not fearful about. And that's a great positive message to have on it because there is a lot of uh, hype around. I mean, hype's just undercooking it massively, but for want of a better word, hype around AI and dare I say some fear. But that's, yeah, that, 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 that number that you give is, is very encouraging. It is very encouraging. And I think what we're seeing across all of our LinkedIn platforms, and if you, you've seen many of the announcements we've made over the last few months, um, we're introducing more and more AI-enabled tools into our current platforms. And whether you're writing a post on LinkedIn, and you'll see now that um, for those that are seeing that, there's much more AI features that you can use to help you generate posts right the way through to actually something we launched about a month or so ago, um, which is a pilot. We've only launched it to a a small number of select advertisers in North America, and it's called um, Accelerate. And it's basically, it's essentially, it's an automated B2B marketing campaign. It allows the creation of experiences powered by AI. And we're testing that around things such as AI-generated copy suggestions to really help marketers jumpstart their campaign. So it's really accelerating the opportunity for them to create content and campaigns a lot quicker um, with AI to help them in their jobs, going back to the fact that it gives them more opportunity and availability to do more of the customer engagement and um, more of the uh, creatives that really help bring those brilliant campaigns that they're creating to life. So we'll probably talk more about that um, over the year as that pilot kind of uh, manifests itself and we get more feedback from it. But going back to the stats, around 73% of marketers embracing it and feel confident about it, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be successful and we'll see more AI helping marketers do their jobs uh, more efficiently, but also give them that, um, that headspace to be able to be more creative as well. It's fantastic news, actually. I mean, and it's interesting that you, the way that you, you couch it is that it, it actually freeing them up to do some of that more quintessential human stuff. You know, and to some degree, the whole show's been about humanization of you know campaigns and brand building between businesses. And you're saying it is a powerful tool that allows marketers the latitude, the time to do the customer engagement, to do the quintessentially human part of their job where they can add the most value which i think will be a positive message but in terms of your project work on ai it's almost a whole new podcast or podcasts of its own and hopefully you'll come back and join us again and talk to us a little bit more about that when you're further down the line with the um, with the research absolutely um, and um, we've we've done some great work again for our listeners um we've done a future of work report on ai which is on our um b2b site and it may even be on our um, economic graph site but again this gives us a really good insight the deep piece of research done in different industries and the impact but it's very positive in terms of where ai is going to be really helpful very useful but it's ultimately um, in marketing terms it's going to really help us to be more creative and, and be more efficient and more productive in what we do so I'm, I'm i'm excited personally about i guess the opportunity for ai and i'm already using it actively in my uh, job today that's fantastic and a very encouraging message to almost finish on. I say almost. I'm going to put you on the spot, Sanji. <laughs> crystal ball. I'm I'm infamous. My demands on people, crystal ball gazing. 2024, nearly upon us. By the time this podcast uh, emerges, it will be almost uh, Christmas and people will be looking, I think it's fair to say, into the new year. 
what are the key opportunities for CMOs, do you think, for next year in your space or in your mind? I think certainly one um, will be around thought leadership. More and more now, we're seeing companies wanting to have a point of view to be able to have um, that thought leadership out there to build up their credibility but their brand our thought leadership platform a platform called thought leadership ads uh, we're seeing an increasing momentum um, of organizations asking um, how we can get our c-suite and our senior execs more engaged with the platform from a b2b perspective um, around some of the messaging they want to, to have and i think that will we'll see more of that next year um, the other area which I'm always excited about, and, and it's a very innovative way, is around how we use video more. And I think next year we'll start to see much more creative ads. I think I've covered a couple of examples how we're using, you know, the docu series of DPTs, one example, yeah. but just using connected TV and using that platform, which is something we're piloting at the moment in beta with a number of customers. I think next year, again, that's going to be a, a product that will really take off where, you know, you're looking at those in fees into TV of two specific audiences of specific content from a B2B perspective, um, which I think, again, will be a, a really big thing. So that's probably just a couple where I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for next year. And um, it will be rude of me not to finish on AI. So I think AI, yeah. AI will continue to evolve. I think you're going to see a plethora of more announcements from us as, a, as an organization, which, again, will, will aid marketeers in doing their job you know, more productively uh, and more excitingly next year. That's fantastic. And some great insights, some great future gazing as well. Encouraging. I was going to say, I'm not not mystic, Meg, but I try my best. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thanks for trying. And I'm pretty sure that some of those insights will prove to come true. And certainly the positive message on AI is something I think we can all take a bit of Christmas cheer from. Mm. Tunji, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show uh, and to have someone whose insights come from, you know, as we said at the top of the show, what is now one of the biggest brands in the world in terms of its utilisation by the public. It's great to have you on the show. I will ask the question in the hope that you will return to this CIM podcast soon because we would love to have you on and particularly perhaps talk about some of the findings you get as you work along this uh, AI journey um, and pass those insights onto the sector. I'd be delighted to, Ben, and thanks for having me again. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you hopefully soon. And you, Tunji, and you. It's been a great show. Thank you very much indeed. That's Tunji Akin Token, who is Senior Director, Head of Enterprise Solutions, UK Ireland at LinkedIn. See you on the CIM podcast very soon indeed. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM Marketing Podcast. <laughs>